In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Chris Lemma about why to choose WooCommerce as a platform. This is a Business of E-Commerce, episode 58. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulaski, and I'm here today with Chris Lima. Chris is the VP of Product at Liquid Web. I asked Chris on the show today to talk about why you should choose WooCommerce as a platform for your online store. So, hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing today? Doing good. This is a topic that I've wanted to talk about for a while. I hear a lot about WooCommerce. At, um, I've I, We always track it on, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Built With, on the charts on how many people are using it. And right now, that's like for the... Um, you know, the vast majority of e-commerce sites, that's like the one that's like rocketing up right now. Um, so the number of installs has gone way up in the past couple of years. We see clients here use it all the time. So definitely I'm curious to hear your thoughts on why people should choose it over a Shopify, a big commerce, a Magento, that sort of thing. Um, so first, a little bit about yourself. You're the v- VP of product. Yep. I'm a VP of product at Liquid Web. Um, there I run our managed WordPress and our managed WooCommerce, uh, hosting platforms and, uh, been there about two years. We launched the managed WooCommerce platform just about a year ago. So it's, uh, it's been a fun ride, uh, and a lot of market feedback that said, yes, why wasn't this here earlier? (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. We were just talking about the show and we see the same thing all the time going, why doesn't someone do this? Like, cause a lot of folks. WooCommerce, you know, it runs on WordPress, obviously super easy to install. You can get up and running and, you know, if you have, if you have WooCommerce, if you have WordPress, you can get up and running in like five minutes. Um, super easy. That's one of the big selling points, but running it correctly, like many things you find out takes some specialties and a little bit of work. So it sounds like you guys have discovered that same thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys host it and basically like dedicated hosting for WooCommerce specific sites. So what happens is if you go to a if you go to a regular host and you and you say hey I want to run WordPress um, they'll install WordPress just like anything else right any other application but when you have a problem with WordPress and you call them you know they don't have a lot of levers right so a regular host would say something like well do you want more RAM do you want more disk they're they're talking at a completely different abstraction than the actual application of WordPress and so uh, about eight years ago companies stepped into the market and created a managed WordPress offering. Um, you may have heard of Pagely or WP Engine, companies that basically said, we need to make sure that our staff and our tooling, our infrastructure are dedicated to WordPress so that when a customer calls in and says, I'm having a problem, they can talk at the level of the application rather than at the level of the servers. Well, as you can imagine, right, over time, especially as we're talking about WooCommerce, now at about 4 million installs and a massive uh, ramp up of people pulling it down and installing it and running it for stores, they would call in with support, right? And now you have people who understand WordPress and want to talk about WordPress, but you're like, no, I'm talking about WooCommerce, right? I have specifics about WooCommerce. And even though the dialogue sounds a little different, it's still like saying, well, do you want more RAM? Do you want more disk? You're not talking about the specifics of the application. And so we launched Manage WooCommerce so that we could talk specifically about the application. A lot of people that host WordPress sites 
have fundamentally made sure their site runs fast by caching everything, right? By turning it into basically an HTML site uh, via cache. And that doesn't work for applications, right? If you're running a membership site, a course, any kind of LMS, and if you're running an e-commerce store, right? You can't just go to one of those other hosts and say, hey, run my store because their infrastructure is suited towards WordPress, not necessarily WooCommerce. And that's when people start feeling that pain. They call in, hey, I'm having trouble. This isn't working right. And that's why we created Manage WooCommerce Hosting, right? So that you could basically call in and say, oh, I have this problem. And you go, yeah, I understand exactly what you're talking about. But also we've configured everything from the underlying infrastructure, the database, how you do uh, you know, technical things as it relates to uh, caching and, and speeding up the sites. All of that works pre-done. People get uh, themes and plugins that are dedicated to WooCommerce. Um, they get performance tests to make sure it's fast. It's it solved the problem for that store owner that wasn't getting solved when they were running it on a on a managed WordPress or even on a, a cloud hosted solution. Yeah, we've run into that here where we connect with a lot of WooCommerce customers via the API. And a lot of hosts try to even cache like API level type stuff, and which if it's all like read centric and we, this is probably some nitty gritty technical things, super good on reading WordPress. It's all about reading, right? You maybe write a post and then get hundred thousand page views fine. But when it talks, when you're talking about e-commerce, it's a lot more read, write, right? So API, you know, caching, it doesn't work the same way. So just saying, we're just going to completely cache optimize for reads just isn't right. When you start coming to anything e-commerce related, right? Cause there's gonna be a lot more pushing of data, a lot more writing. Um, so I've definitely seen that same need to, and it's good to hear someone's addressing it. So why, so I guess for when we start talking about why WooCommerce, right? First, why, when we, when we're comparing it, you could either say, let's compare it against the other, um, self-hosted platforms like a Magento or compare it against the other hosted platforms like a Shopify, big commerce, which should kind of take on that comparison first off. Cause I feel like that's the first yeah. big road you need to cross. Yeah, and I think people people have asked that question for years now. It, ten, if you go back ten years ago, right? Um, if anybody asked any question about e-commerce, the answer was Magento, right? It didn't matter how you asked the question; it was just, well, if you're serious about a store, you got to use Magento. What what no one failed to ask right past that was, well, is this is this because it's the only open source platform that allows you to customize it, and developers feel like they can do stuff with it, or you know, is it because it's the only one or because it's the best one, right? In reality, at that point, it was the only one. And so in that in that mode, right, people just started throwing stuff at it. They started building themes and features and what have you. And the thing that cost people the most wasn't the development, right? The thing that cost people most was the hosting because the code itself wasn't actually all that uh, proficient. And so you just you started assuming, okay, I'm going to need several servers. I'm going to, I'm just going to have to blow this out on the hardware to protect myself from what's going on at the query level for software. So when the hosted platforms showed up, right? And you, I mean, if you type in e-commerce, Google thinks e-commerce is synonymous with Shopify, right? Like it, the, the, the last several years, right? We've seen really good growth for Shopify. Um, people choosing it over Magento. In fact, people leaving Magento, especially as they shifted to um, the, the the newer version, right? And people moving to Shopify, you look at a hosted platform and you say, I don't have any of these problems, right? You just 
spin up a site, configure it, and you're and you're launched. And big commerce has meandered through that over the course of years, finding finding their spot. They're really strong with the API, but assuming that you're going to go build a whole new front end, however you want to do it. So you look at all those and you go, why would I choose WooCommerce over this stuff, right? And I think um, I think there's a couple answers. For the same reason that people looked at Magento and today look at WooCommerce, part of it is it's your own platform. You control it. You control every bit of it. You don't get that from Shopify. Now, there are people who are going to say, I don't need to control it. I don't want to control it. I don't want to spend any energy over that. I would rather just have it running for me. And that works great until your site is slow, right? And what we know is that at about two to two and a half seconds, right, between page loads, right, people start falling off, right? Session length drops by 50% when they have to wait more than two seconds moving between pages. We also know that Google looks at 2.7 seconds and says, hey, if your site takes longer than 2.7 seconds, you're basically not customer friendly, right? And they start pulling you out of the listings. So what happens if you're on Shopify and you're on a server that's slow, right? A buddy of mine runs a t-shirt store, comes to me and goes, hey, uh, how do I make a Shopify store faster? And I'm like, I call Shopify, right? And they're like, we did. And they won't do anything, right? And so you're left with, so you have a slow running store, right? Now at the same time, right, we spin up, we have several sample stores over at Liquid Web. We spun up a, a sample store, put in some t-shirts, ran it through and showed it to him, and it was like loading in 0.6 seconds, right? 0.6 seconds compared to, you know, four seconds or five seconds is an eternity, right? They, he was just like, oh, this is horrible. You don't have that control, right, at Shopify. Especially so it's on, not uh, the shop on mobile. That's the other, that's the other big one where you start talking about times. It's on desktop, it's 2.7, but on mobile, it's, it's like half that. Like people are so like click happy that if you, you know, any lag time and people on mobile, just that's it. It's over. They're, they're gone. Yep. Yep. And, and the thing is you don't control that speed at Shopify. You just don't, you, you have no control over that. Now there's a lot of stuff that it does well. Unfortunately, every one of those things costs money. So you know, you go to Shopify and you go, hey, uh, I see it's $39 to start, right? Or $29 to start. And you go, yeah, how many $29 customers are there? And it turns out not many, right? A recent study looked at it and said the average person who's on a $29 plan is paying $89 a month. And you go, what? How are you doing that? Well, you know that if you want exit intent, that little pop-up as you're about to leave that says, here's a special offer, give me your email, it costs you $19 a month, right? And if you want a page builder to, to rejigger the site and make it look pretty, $19 a month. And if you want, you know, print an invoice or PDF, right? $9 a month. And if you, and it just image galleries and you just start going through this where, yes, you got in at 29, but every feature you add pushes the price tag up, right? And that's not one-time pricing, that's every single month, right? So. People who look at the hosting platforms, there's nothing wrong with them. Nothing wrong with Shopify, nothing wrong with BigCommerce. If you are if you are testing out a concept and and you want to go fast, I understand why people think, let me go try it over there because I don't have to deal with any of this stuff. At, at LiquidWeb, we built starter plans, right? Starting at $39. So you could also easily test your new idea without getting into all the stuff. And it comes with all those things that normally would cost you. 89, $99 a month over at Shopify. 
But that's only one part of it, right? It's the it's the notion of looking at the competitors and saying, why wouldn't I choose a Shopify? Why wouldn't I choose a Magento? Why wouldn't I choose a big commerce? The other part of that or the flip side of that question is why would I choose WooCommerce, right? And WooCommerce, one of its benefits is that it sits on top of WordPress. And WordPress has configured itself over years to do well with SEO. Now, one of the interesting things that I caught in the most recent um, published findings for Shopify is that, you know, they're a public company now, they have to announce a lot of stuff, is that something like 70 or 80% of their traffic was coming through social. And we're talking about Facebook and Instagram, right? You go Facebook and Instagram, those are, that's, that's what we call paid acquisition, right? You pay for an ad and then people see the ad in those places and click the link. And you go, I get that paid social makes sense, it, depending on the kind of store you're running, but why is it so high? I mean, all of us trust Google to do discoverability for us, right? We want Google to fundamentally bring us new customers. Yet what Shopify is saying is that a majority of the people that visit their stores visit through paid social, meaning you have to pay for ads to get people to come. You go, why wouldn't discovery happen on Google? Well, it's okay with SEO, right? But it's not brilliant. And if you want to talk about discoverability, Google and SEO, most people already know, yeah, WordPress is kind of the place for that. When you build an e-commerce store on top of that infrastructure, right? WooCommerce benefits from that as well. So you get better discoverability for free. So if you're going for organic traffic, right? WooCommerce is a really strong play. The other thing, of course, is most people look at feature for feature and they say, Shopify and WooCommerce, most of the features very, very similar. And then they normally say, yeah, but with WooCommerce, you have to do all the hosting stuff. Like you have to add all, and that's, that's the ding against WooCommerce, which is why we created Manage WooCommerce Hosting so that you could take that off your list and just go, oh, I don't have that problem anymore. And once you don't have that problem, now you're looking at it and you're going, actually, this could be cheaper, faster, and more in control for me with greater discoverability if I'm using WooCommerce. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of these debates on, well, you know, Shopify costs this, but WooCommerce is free. And there's always a the whole thing, you know, what's the expression? Uh, free, like, It's free like a puppy. You know, someone gives you a free puppy and sure, it's free, but then you need to actually feed it and do all the things that take, you know, keeping the puppy alive. Same thing with hosting, you need to actually go do work. Um, and if you need to install it yourself and spin all that up, that's that's cost. And that, you know, maybe it's it's either dollars or time, right? Someone needs to do it. And either you're gonna do it or you're gonna pay someone, but either way it's work. So you're trying to say that you've kind of packed it all together and made that whole process a lot easier. So it's not um, doing it for the first time every time, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, we're actually just working with, it's funny, we're just actually looking at some support tickets here. And somebody installed their version of WooCommerce and there's a misconfigured Apache server that's not accepting HCP headers. And it's like this nerdy long, you know, trail of IT stuff trying to figure out like, why can't this authenticate? And it just, it's a misconfigured, it's their first time running WooCommerce. Um, it's just a misconfigured server and they'll spend we, days doing that. We have, we have a client who uh, six months ago, um, was working with another, you know, an, another a, a digital agency, and then they were working uh, hosted over at AWS, and um, they were working on building out their their store, right, getting the store ready because they were about to do a launch 
they were about to do a launch of a very specific kind of uh, apparel that was, you know, branded and co-branded with a, a celebrity. And they expect they were prepping their traffic. They're expecting it to go crazy. On the day that they launched several months ago, um, the store falls over and it falls over almost immediately, like minutes. And uh, it takes, they're trying all day to get it up. And this is, they've announced to the world, like this is the day that we're going to start selling uh, the stuff, right? And um, so I, I get a call. We know, they know someone who knows me and we, we, we get on a phone call and uh, it's AWS misconfigured, right? Memory leak. Uh, wrong version of of some of the infrastructure, and it won't it won't spin up, right? It won't stay up, and uh, so we move them over to Liquid Web, right? And again, the the agency that worked on the website really didn't understand how to optimize for performance and speed, right? So you have customers who are like, I like this look, and I like this thing, and I, and you need someone in there to say, no, that's a bad idea, that's a good idea, but you need to implement it this other way. And that's that's part of what customers are buying when they come to manage WooCommerce hosting is they're buying expertise they don't have. And so we worked with the agency, we worked with the client, we worked to change out some of the plugins and get them clean and running. Three days later, they they relaunched on the platform. Mind you, every single customer that we've brought over from another host has reduced their um, load time right by by half at minimum. Right. So if your if your site takes four seconds to load bring it over to us, it takes two seconds to load, right? That's without us doing any optimization, it's just coming into the right infrastructure. But then we go start tweaking the infrastructure. So it starts it starts loading up faster. So their site, when it was at AWS, which everyone's like, oh, AWS is perfect. It's perfect if you know what you're doing, right? So AWS suddenly was, that, that site over there was loading in 38 seconds and the, the actual product page was loading in 19 seconds. And we brought it over, we configured, we tweaked. We, I mean, we did a lot of work, but three days later it launched and the, the page itself was loading in 2.2 seconds, um, the product page and the, the homepage was loading in like three seconds, right? So dramatically different. Um, and in the first two hours, right, they generated a quarter of a million dollars in sales, right? Um, and that pays for everything, yep. right? Like. If you have a high performant, great e-commerce infrastructure that allows you to actually deliver your goods to your customers, lets them buy as much as they want, um, you, you can do that, right? The average for a person who's spending roughly $100, $150 a month in hosting with us in our WooCommerce platform, they're generating three to $500,000 a year in revenue. And the ones who spend you know, $750 to $1,000 a month in hosting are generating close to $10 million a year in revenue. These are people who are making money, but part of the equation is getting the infrastructure right, getting the site to be highly performant so that they don't have worries about people that bounce because it's too slow. Yeah, we've seen people before do the thing where they spin up on like the, um, I won't name the hosting companies, but the, you know, the $5 a month hosting companies add in WooCommerce and then they wonder why, hey, you know, it's nothing's working. Like somehow the site shuts down with a few API, like a half a dozen API calls can like crush their site. Um, and you start you know, like, yeah, well, you, you know, you're paying $4 a month. Um, so right. We, yeah. I mean, if you, if you're, if you're paying, if you're paying $5 for a droplet, right. Or $5 for, for, uh, Amazon has another a very inexpensive container based piece. If you're paying $5 Light, a month, light sale, right. 
Yeah, Lysale. Um, if if you're paying five dollars a month, right? You can go to GoDaddy and get it for three ninety nine. The the fundamental question is, what did you think you were getting? Yeah. Right. Like, if you're gonna run a real store, right? If you're gonna run a real store at a shopping mall, and someone says, "Hey, the rent is three dollars a month," <laughs> right? Everybody goes, uh, "Hold on a second. I'm not sure. I believe that this is credible." Yet in hosting, we've gotten so conditioned to thinking, "Oh, okay, cool. I just I don't want to spend a lot of money." And you're like, "Yeah, but a hundred dollars even, or two hundred and fifty, which is one of our standard plans, this is not a lot of money." Yeah, right? I like the analogy with it, rent. Actually, that's a good that's a good one. You really start thinking rent in the mall, and yeah, people are yeah. comparing it to like, it, it's like this like, I think people assume everything's this apples to apples where they're thinking like, you know, oh, these dupes are over here paying a hundred, and you know, I found this like secret place where it's five bucks a month, and you're like, but it's maybe not exactly the same thing you're actually comparing. So right, yeah, I, I, it's not a secret. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> yes. people people who are paying five dollars are always talking about what they're paying. Yep. Right. Um, what's, what's really interesting is if you talk to a store owner, right, they're either talking about how much they're paying or they're talking about how much they're making. The people who talk about how much they're paying are not the people you want to be talking to. You want to talk to the people who are talking about how much they're making, right? Because if someone goes up and goes, Hey, in two hours, we generated $250,000 worth of sales. That's the guy you're like, tell me what you're doing. What's your secret? Well, when someone's like, Hey, I got my hosting for $4. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't want to talk about your cost side. I don't want to talk about your profit side. I want to talk about your revenue side. How much are you making? And they're like, no, no, no. Here's my point. $4 for hosting. And you're like, great. And the only person visiting your site is your mom. Like, that's not, that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. I like that. So then why is someone doing this right now for Magento as well? Or is that, because I've seen, we've seen the same thing with Magento. People have the same issues there. Um, is there like a best in breed, like, manage hosting for them as well or like because we've seen the exact same thing where people install magento in their five dollar plan and it's just like lights on fire and you know everything's over so like yeah is someone I, think, doing that there? I think in in the magento world i think there's two players that are that are well known um for hosting uh mage mojo and nexus uh um nexus is uh net, and mage mojo just sounds like mage mojo um I think both of those are the players that when you talk to a lot of Magento stores and you go, hey, what are you doing here? Where are you doing? What are you hosting? The the names, the two names that that bubble up to the top in terms of like, again, infrastructure that's configured. Like if you go, if you go to Nexus and you spin up a Magento site, every configuration, every option, every choice that you can make, they've made it that's intelligent for high performance hosting, right? And then when you call them, the person on the phone is an e-commerce expert, right? So their their support is going to, to do that, right? So yeah, I think there's a couple players in the Magento world that do that. Um, like I said, I think what we're seeing is over the course of the last two years, Magento's market share is dropping. I know that Shopify and their, their higher end Shopify Plus are actively trying to pull customers out of that. And when we talk to Magento folks, we just say, hey, have you, when was the last time you looked at WooCommerce, right? Because they're like, well, 10 years ago, I made the call. And you're like, right, I get it. But when was the last time you looked at what WooCommerce could do? Because people say, well, I need, I need Magento because I need my site to scale. We worked with a, a WooCommerce site and got 2,000 add to cart events per minute, right? 2,000 people clicking the add to cart Concurrently, 2,000 people hitting add to cart per minute, you go, that's bonkers, right? 
And if WooCommerce can do that, why aren't I looking at WooCommerce, right? And it's because, well, we were told that WooCommerce doesn't do that, you know, and you're like, well, that's that's not accurate. Yeah, that was always the big thing, right? Where Magento, it can scale, you know, to infinity, you can just keep adding more servers and it keeps going and, um, you know, sky's the limit and everyone else had some sort of limitations. Um, and yeah, definitely like, five years ago, that probably was, that was the case. Um, and I think what we're seeing now would just from talking to folks, the upgrade from Magento, you know, one seven, they obviously just went to one eight and then not looking at a plat a different platform from one eight, you just went to one nine. No one looked at a different platform from one nine though. Everyone now started just look at like, maybe this is like that, that two O thing. That was, that was the big change, right? Where everyone going from one nine thinking about going to two O started saying, let's look at our options. Let's just see what's out there. And no one did well, that for, because, with one eight. Because, because the upgrade from one seven to one eight, one eight to one nine, those were very small upgrades. The upgrade from one nine to two O is not, you can't call it an upgrade. It's a platform rebuild. You are rebuilding your site. And if you're going to spend 60 to 120 to $250,000 to rebuild your site, yeah, you might as well look at all the other options because let's let's pump the brakes for, for a second, right? It wasn't a natural upgrade. It was a rewrite. And and that's anytime someone does that on a platform level, right? You then get an opportunity to ask the question, should I look around and look at the, the other options? And our recommendation obviously is take a look at take a look at, at you know, not only WooCommerce, but WooCommerce over at LiquidWeb. So now let's say you need all you want to do self-hosting, you need all that you know, configuration, that sort of thing, why not look at a Magento as well? Like why, when you start comparing, okay, we're going to host this, we'll go with the, you know, um, Nexus, one of those, or you guys, why, and we're comparing, you know, straight Magento versus WooCommerce. Why not? Yeah. Why, why would it be better versus that when you're talking about someone that actually knows how to host Magento as well? So, so one of the, one of the pieces, um, one of the reasons, and again, it depends on where you are in the life cycle of your store and, and you know, uh, how you're doing it. But if you're if you're making that call right now and you're looking at options, um, one of the things you'll note is across the breadth of integrations, partly because of what we when we started the call, right? We, we talked about the fact that there's four million WooCommerce stores. It's massive in terms of uh, penetration across the globe because of that all your third parties, right? You don't just have one vendor, right? What happens if, if you're in the Magento world and you're like, I wanna, I, you know, I wanna do something with shipping or I wanna do something with tax or I wanna do something with cart recovery, you end up with, in some cases, one option. Some, sometimes you get two or three options and that's it. In the WooCommerce world, right? You have 10 options, you have 20 options, you have 30 options. They work differently and therefore you can find the one that works like you do because WooCommerce is, the you know the 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 giant player in the space, all the other vendors that are out building integrations start there and go okay yep we got to build something for WooCommerce. So one of the reasons to look at it is if you feel like well my partner doing X right is not it's not someone I chose it's not someone I like it's just because they were the only ones. Well when you come to WooCommerce you look around and you go oh I have options now right. So that's one of the big reasons we see people making a choice. They go, oh, we can finally solve our problem with, and they start listing off all the different integrations, right? That's one of the reasons why you look at that. Another reason is flat out fundamental cost, right? So we've seen Magento stores that are spending $5,000, $10,000 in hosting a month, right? 
spend $700 to $1,200 in hosting on WooCommerce, right? They just need less hardware than they do with um, Magento. And so you go, oh, well, that's another cost. That's another dynamic in the evaluation. Uh, and then, uh, you know, if you're if you're in the case of saying we're going to rebuild our site, right? You you do have the thing of looking at, okay, how many different players out there know WooCommerce in terms of developers and agencies, right? You can find them everywhere. Um, not not to say that Upwork is the only place you would look, um, but if you go look on Upwork for um, people who have done already a thousand hours of uh, WooCommerce work, right? Um, the number of people who are and and speak English and have a four or five star rating, right? Like you you winnow it down. The number of people um, is is three to five times more than the number of people that when you put the same criteria in for Magento, right? And so um, finding resources at a variety of different prices to help you build the site or the custom piece, uh, the custom payment gateway, anything else you're doing. Um, I had a client who is Canadian using Amex, but not wanting Amex Canada. They wanted Amex US. And that's that's just not something that comes out of the box. You can't go and get a payment gateway that is like, oh, I want Canadian Amex, but uh, hitting US, you know, uh, Amex processing. So they had to build it, right? And you go, okay, how, how many people are available to build a payment gateway in one platform or another, right? And it turns out, there's a lot of people available to help you with WooCommerce because they've been doing that. So I think those are some of the reasons you might consider WooCommerce. So that makes me think of a question on, and we've seen this too, when you're talking about like custom dev with like a Shopify, a big commerce, you're talking to the API, right? Where you're in this like, um, same thing development for like the iPhone. Um, you can't do anything that egregious typically. Like they just don't let you, it's just not available you can only talk through a certain method. But when you start talking about self-hosting, you can do anything you want. You can just put in bad code. You can put in, um, we worked with a user one time where we were talking to the JSON API and there was XML in it, just like in the middle. For some, and I was wondering, why is it XML in your JSON API? And like it turned out, oh, somebody wrote some bizarre custom code and oh, that's just in the API now. And like, well, that's, <laughs> that's not valid JSON. You can't do that. And you know, they need to figure out an, back off on that customization and that sort of thing. How do you deal with that sort of thing with, you know, okay, it is customizable, but sometimes people write a bad customization or something that breaks the, the core. Um, is there a way to prevent that, a way to at least put some sort of like guardrails in there or what do you do for that? Yeah, so um, part of what we do is every night we look to see if any of your plugins have an update, right? So that means someone wrote some new code, someone released some new code, when we see that your plugin has an update, we make a copy of the site to another location, right? It's non-public, so it's not like someone else could hit that. We get it over there, and then we pull down the update, and right before we pull it down, we take a bunch of visual snapshots of various pages, right? Your cart page, your catalog page, your home page, post page, what have you, right? take five images, and then we run the update. And then after we run the update, we load up the site again, run it through, clicks, and take five more images. And then we do a visual comparison, right, to see if the site looks the same or doesn't. 
And when it doesn't, we don't upgrade the code. And when it does, we upgrade the code in production. So you get an email every night, or at least every night that there's a potential upgrade, right, to plugins. And you and we tell you, hey, this plugin had, you know, changes, we upgraded it, and you're good to go. Nothing changed. And then um, this plugin, uh, we noticed some discrepancies. You can click here and go see the delta itself, right? You can go see the images, the before, the after. And um, if you want, you can still override it. But uh, heads up, right, we found an issue. And what that does is that automatically keeps sites being checked every day to make sure that someone doesn't introduce something that goes crazy. Now, in what you're talking, and, and no one else does this, yeah, right? That, I mean, like this is- That's actually super clever because we've, you know, we've all been there, right? We have that WooCommerce and like 90% of the time it's a show of updates. You hit the button and you're like, ah, oh, cool, nothing happens. But there's that one time where you hit that button and the site just like disappears and you're like, what did just happen? Why? And then you have to figure out how to roll back and it's just like awful process. And same thing with like a theme, those like off the shelf themes. 90% of the time you hit the button and it just says, uh, you know, bug fixes. And you're like, oh, cool. And you update and everything's fine. But there is that one time you hit that button and your entire site just changes. And you're like, what did I just do? I, I don't, I didn't want this. I didn't want this like right now. You know, you're on your like phone or you're like running to a meeting and you're like, I did not want to do this right now. And is that like moment of panic where you like don't know how to go back and you're like trapped. So that's a clever way of doing that, right? Because most of the time, if it doesn't change anything, there's just bug fixes. You don't really care. And you just upgrade, upgrade. But there is that one that one time, and only happens a couple times a year, where it is like panic. And you you know instantly we hit that button. You're like, I wish I did not hit that button right now. So I like that. I like that way of doing that. Yeah. So it 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 dramatically helps our customers, right? It keeps them up to date, keeps them protected, but doesn't uh, force them to do all the work that we want them to do. Cause we know it's the best practice, right? Put run all your tests somewhere else before you do it in production. And we tell customers that, but fundamentally customers are like, yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of time for that. Right. And they're so we gonna, go, well, they're not going to, they're either not going to do it and they just gonna hit the button or they, they do the other thing, right? Where they don't upgrade it ever. And you come in and you're like, well, you have like six years worth of updates. You should probably run these. And then obviously the site just instantly breaks at that point. So you don't want either of those extremes. You don't want either of those. And so we built the solution to, to mitigate that, right? And now that won't solve every, that won't solve every possible problem, right? So one of the other things we did is we wrote about 25 different performance tests that really exercise, you know, your, your store, right? So not logged in, logged in, adding things to cart, putting, you know, browsing the category pages, going in and putting in your cart, going to checkout. We just run, we have 24 of these things, right? And at any point, right, a customer can call us and say, hey, we're getting ready for something, right? We're getting ready for Valentine's Day. And um, we, wanna, we wanna do a coupon, whatever. Can we, can we run this? And again, we'll make a copy, put it to another infrastructure, you know, another, another part of the, the infrastructure we have, and we'll run the test and we'll give you back feedback. So in the case of your JSON integration, right? In, in the case of uh, coupon creation, in the case of API calls, right? We'll run enough stuff that we can come back and say uh, something broke or something was really slow uh, and let you know so that you can get your team to go dig into it, right? So um, again, not something you see normally at, at, with any host. In fact, most hosts are like, please don't run performance tests against our infrastructure because it ruins stuff for our other stores. And you're like, yeah, that's because you don't have anything isolated. All of our stuff is isolated in a way that allows us to run this. And so those performance tests help customers know when something could go sideways. 
I like that. We do that um, for our own software here. We wrote all those tests, which take actually quite a long time doing you know, we have hundreds of tests and every release, every, every actual um, change to the code at all. We regression test everything and it gives a report. And if anything changes, it instantly like we pump the brakes, we figure out who changed it. And yeah, that's like just internally one of our best practices here. And it has to be done in any change. We test against every previous test. And if we find something, we introduce new tests. So, you know, yeah, I've been seeing that for years and that, and that's one of the few things too. It allows us to go faster because we know if you check something in, if those tests come all back green, you feel pretty good actually. And cause you know, it's testing, it's testing every bad thing you've ever done in the past for years and years of history. So, you know, okay, I'm relatively confident. Like if I check this in, nothing really that bad is going to happen versus, you know, if I've worked on projects where you don't have that before and you're every time you're going to make any change, you're really not sure. And you can manually test stuff, but like, you know, everyone's testing something different in a different way. And you, if you have multiple developers, you could just miss things. So running those automated is, I know from a software development, software development background, that's one of the, at least not the surefire ways, but at least high amounts of certainty that you can be confident in saying we'll catch most of the stuff, most of the time using this method. Um, so it makes me think too, any other, and I try not to go too nerdy on the technical details, but I like it. So I ask any other kind of like things you found to help increase the performance of WooCommerce. Um, are you talking like database level stuff? Are you talking like multiple web servers? Like what are some like little tips you've got found internally to actually like scale up performance? Um, cause a lot of times you see with, you know, talking about those $5 a month hosting companies, they're running like a. MySQL instance next to their, um, web server, which don't do that. It's really bad. Um, I think they're doing all these like things. I'm guessing you guys have figured out some things around that on, you know, let's scale up web servers. Let's do some database like architecture. So like, what are some little tips you found there? So, so obviously one of the biggest things we know and see all the time is that people load really large images into a site that doesn't need to be that large. Right. So their friend took photos of the products. They send them five megabyte images. It's in a Dropbox. They push the Dropbox straight to the store. And now you have these five megabyte images when in fact it's a, you know, 400 by 400 display. And you're like, guys, you could do this for like, you know, 80K. So image processing is one of the things we do automatically for customers. And it's one of the things we recommend. It will dramatically change the performance and page load time, right? And that's, that's neither here nor there related to WooCommerce itself. It's just related to the nature of what people are doing um, and how they're working with images. So image compression, uh, image lazy loading, right? So not loading all the images on the initial call, but as people are maneuvering through the page, especially if you've built product pages where you have you know, some images, but then the more you scroll down, the more you've laid out broad images to help you tell the story you want to tell. And you're like, yeah, but those don't need to load all up the front, right? So how do you get snappy response time? So that's all image work. On the database side, we um, we created a, a plugin uh, that changes the database schema structure, right? Um, without forking WooCommerce, but coming alongside it and making an adjustment um, for all the orders, right? So um, this is the exact opposite end of nerdiness, right? Compression of images. You're like, oh, we can just put a, a SAS connector in there and do it automatically. Here, you're like, okay, whoa, wait, what are you doing? Um, so 
when you insert orders into WooCommerce, you're inserting them normally into uh, a table called post for the order and post meta, which is for all the other data. Yep. Unfortunately, post meta is a name value paired structure, right? So you have first name, Chris, last name, Lemma, phone number, and my phone number, right? And you, you, and you do that, but there's like, I don't know, you know, 40, 50 different items that go with an order that have to get into post meta. So what happens is you write one write to the post table and then you write 58 more writes to the post meta table. And you wanna do that all in one uh, transaction to make sure that all of it gets in, which means everybody else has to hold on a second while you roll all that in, which is a problem when you go to write the second order and the third order and you're trying to run it concurrently because everybody's getting stopped up. So when you see concurrency, 10, 20 people all at the same time trying to put an order in, all of a sudden that normally slows things down. So, and then it gets worse when you go to pull that data back up, right? Someone else in some other part of your team is going into the back end, doing reporting, trying to pull up all the records from people who bought in San Francisco or San Diego or whatever. And it has to run those queries through PostMeta to pull that stuff back out, right? Because city state zip of billing, city state zip of shipping is all in there too. So, between people trying to put data in and people trying to pull that data out or query against it, um, that becomes a bottleneck and slows down. So we built a different table structure and hooked into the API early enough so that when the orders come in, they go to that table. And instead of a two table dynamic, it's a single table. It's a long flat table, right? With all the fields right in there. So it's one write in and one read out. And we saw 75% more orders go through with the same exact uh, hardware, right? Meaning we didn't change RAM, we didn't change disk, we didn't change CPU, we didn't change PHP threads. We left all the stuff the same and we saw a massive increase in um, order throughput and a massive decrease in query load time, right? So 85% less queries, um, which means you're gonna see it move a lot faster, right? So. We've done things that are super nerdy right down there, and we've done some high-level things that people totally understand, like, hey, you don't need big images for small squares on your website. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of stuff in between that we play with um, to make sure that you have a, a high-performing store. Yeah, that's pretty nerdy. I like that, though. I used to, uh, in a past life, I was an engineer focused on performance level, um, on database level, like you're literally talking like the same language, yeah? Um, so very near and dear to my heart. And that's one of those things most people, when you start when you start going that far down in the stack of like row level locks and like, okay, let's try to get the fewest locks possible in the shortest amount of time and try to optimize around that. Most people don't go that deep into it, right? Where, yeah, their eyes glaze over and you're like, but hold on a second. Right now you have optimistic yeah. locking, which is protecting you from something you don't need protection from while at the same time slowing you down for things you really care about, right? So. Yeah. And, that, and all that, and that stuff's all built. That's, that's one of the few downsides, right? Of WordPress, right? Because there's very few inserts in WordPress, like we we're saying before, where who cares? You can lock everything. Cause if you do it once a week, it's not a big deal. First in WooCommerce, if you're inserting an order, you know, multiple times a minute or a second, even, and you're locking multiple rows, and this is going real nerdy right now, but when you start doing that, then you're, you're locking basically the table's always locked. So everyone is always waiting. Basically every process is always waiting for another lock. And then on top of it, then they queue up and then just, 
all sorts of bad stuff happen. Um, and that's not even talking about deadlocks. You can go into so that one hole. of the yep yep and it, and one yeah. of the things we did one of the things we did was we partnered with a company called Glue G L E W dot I O, which is one of the the best e commerce reporting platforms on the planet. Um, and we did that so that when your team is running reports and queries and everything else, it runs it off a separate data mart, right? So what Glue does is it pulls all the data out of your regular database and makes a copy of it in their own data mart. And we run that over there. So all the slicing, dicing, configuration, segmentation, everything else is sitting somewhere else. So when your team wants to go find out things, they're not hitting the production database that is level locking on data to pull it up for a report which then slows down a customer just browsing and, and navigating and trying to buy stuff on your site. So by separating in the old vernacular that you likely know, right? Separating OLAP from OLTP or separating, you know, the data that is just, hey, I just want reporting, I wanna see things, I wanna slice and dice it and I wanna understand things. Separating that from your transactional system has a huge benefit to keeping that store running quickly. Yep, I've seen I've seen that done at scale too, where that, and that's one of like the, the golden things to do, right. Of having this other database that you can lock down and it can, you can lock it down for three hours and nobody cares. Cause it's just, it is the reporting database. And this thing is just, it's just all read centric and it doesn't need to run the same hardware. It's completely separated. Um, it's, it's usually a copy of the data, but it's just like lazy copy. So maybe it's like five minutes behind, but who really cares? Cause it's reporting and yeah, you can run these like master reports and lock every table and no one cares. Um, so that, that's a that's a great optimization right there too, being able to still report, but out of a different database. So awesome. All right, I think that was helpful. I, I don't wanna go too nerdy there. I, I could talk about this all day, but some people's eyes start to glaze over when you talk about database level locking, but I'm glad to hear somebody actually thought about this. So that's uh, that's very good. So, awesome. Well, it was great talking to you. Yeah, it was great talking to you too. If people want to find you, um, I'll be sure to put some links in the show notes, but where can they, where's some of the best places to find you? Yep. Uh, I have a blog over at chrislemma.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at chrislemma. And uh, of course, we write on the liquidweb.com blog and have our managed WooCommerce hosting over at Liquid Web. So um, check us out over there. Hit me up if you have questions. Awesome, Chris. Great chatting with you. All right. Take care. Thank you.